Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. And with me today, I have Julien Schaffard from Hi. over in France. Hi, Julien. How are you doing? Not bad, not bad. Hello. Can you tell the listeners sort of who you are and what you do? So hi, everyone, and thanks, uh, Sam, for inviting me to this podcast. I appreciate it a lot. Um, I am Julian Charford. I'm 26. Uh, I'm French. I'm living uh, in the center of France in clermont ferrand And I am the founder of the Classic Racing School Experience, which is basically the first historic racing school academy in the world of its kind. Yeah. it's, it's I One of your guys sent me an email, and... I had a look and it looks like a really a cool sort of thing you've got going there. And I, I had not come across anything similar at all yeah. anywhere. <laughs> That's the basis. The, the idea is quite original. That came to me when I was still a student. And I have, I have not from a family involved in sports cars and motorsport at all. So it, it has to be a, a crazy idea at the beginning. <laughs> because any, anyone in my family or friends who trust me, if uh, I'll do it, Years ago, that I will be starting a historic racing school. <laughs> Crazy. So we decided to do it step by step. I was quite alone at the beginning. And uh, the first contact I had about historic motorsport was Le Mans Classic in 2006. So I was quite a mm. young guy, <laughs> 12 years old. And from that moment, I think I just became mad about historic racing cars. And uh, single seaters came then, uh, years after. But this was the first contact, and, and the idea of making this school uh, came in 2015. And I was an engineer in a historic Formula One team called AGS Formula One, 
who were okay. in uh, Formula One cars uh, in the Formula One championship in the late 80s and 90s. And then they stopped doing the competitions and being covered in themselves in history Formula One racing team. But that was uh, very popular in the li- late 90s. Yeah. The, now it has converted into a um, Formula One racing experience, but driving experience more than racing because it's yeah. short uh, experiences that you can do. And I've got an engineer formation, so uh, I graduated in an engineering degree. Yeah. Was in charge of synchronizing the um, gear shiftings with the engines, something that we call the power shift in these both cars. So the main goal was to make the cars run because it was Formula One cars from the late 90s, uh, like Prost, AP02, Arrows, and AGS cars too. And uh, basically, I was uh, kind of an um, intern there. And once a day, uh, someone brought as a private car a uh, historic Formula Ford. It was a Lotus 69. And then at this moment, I found it so great compared to the Formula One, more complicated uh, and more modern. And I, yeah. I, I, I wanted to do that at this moment. So too bad. <laughs> <laughs> What stood out in that car specifically versus just because it's like way more simple or... Mm. Yeah, two things. I found more than two things. First of them is the the car looks so great. Uh, history cars, these tiger shaped cars, were just part of this golden age, uh, what we call uh, in, from a historic motorsport. Uh, and the cars have changed so quickly from the late seventies that between the late the, the the beginning of the sixties and the late sixties, they don't do that change a lot. Yeah. They keep this simplicity, and uh, I have this, which is basically the first <laughs> I had <laughs> since I'm very young, which is, uh, I think it's, uh, I don't think it's a Lotus 25 or something like this. Yeah. And this car has something very special. It's uh, very uh, simple, and the engine in this is just like, uh, <laughs> just an engine in, in anything, in very small, cyber-shaped yeah. car. And this is very light. And there is no assistance, nothing like this. And I think it's, after all and above all, a piece of art, more yeah. than a racing car. That's which attracted me. So you can run a, a piece of art on track. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's half the fun, isn't it? Like looking at whatever vehicle you're about to get into. If it doesn't get you excited, yeah. then, you know, what are you doing? So it's also excited. Uh, I was also excited by driving Formula One cars because for the anecdote, with this first internship and first experience in motorsport, uh, the first car I have ever driven on track is a Formula One. <laughs> it's the first AP02 car. So nice. it's a big gap. Because uh, I, I had a Volvo C30 and uh, jumping <laughs> to the Formula One was a quite great experience. <laughs> and believe me, so um, to, to get in both cars, uh, as, as AGS was a very, very small team, uh, and I was kind of beginning engineer, mm. uh, I asked them, now the car has our setup, and we need to test them. So maybe we should call a test driver, some, someone you have in your network. And the boss just tell me, Julian, you're going to do this. <laughs> you're gonna do this. <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, I think you can do this, and it's not very complicated, and we are n- very not experienced people doing this in the their experience so maybe you can do this because if you set up the car statically maybe you can maybe set up it dynamically <laughs> and what should have happened happened so the the first corner you have no grip you have no uh, speed so you have no aerodynamics so it was directly 
to the grass. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so a big scale at the beginning. And that's the second thing that guided me to more simple cars and uh, also very cheaper to maintain. Yeah. Uh, the Formula One cars were too complicated and uh, for uh, a product open to beginners and non-experienced driver, it, it's it's a bit dangerous and it's it's very expensive compared to the time and the pleasure you have on car because you can yeah. have pleasure after laps and laps and also free laps in the Formula One basically you're just scared every every laps and every <laughs> corner. <laughs> yeah. Whereas with the Formula Ford, so I tried this car later and the small Formula Ford and I I directly felt very comfortable with the car not only with the dynamic of the car but also your visibility. It's very progressive and it's a car which telephones to you. So you have the back coming like a little bit at the beginning of the corner if you're breaking too late. It's very easy to handle. And the pleasure comes from also this um, kind of simplicity behind the wheel too. Yeah, I've I've found that. I've, I've driven lots of fast cars and lots of slow cars. And whenever I'm trying to learn something, I always go back to something slow that or not necessarily slow, but like something that I can control so that that's like that part of your brain is not being, is like, okay, you're not driving way faster than you've ever been. Not everything's new. You need to have a car that you can control and feel like you are driving yeah, to exactly. actually get better. The pleasure comes from the control. You're, it's very true that you're saying, because even with very fast cars, if you don't control it, it's a bit of a mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's also, a state of mind in racing and driving on the racing tracks. Uh, even if you have a, any car you have, the pleasure you get on the track is once you know it, and you can control yourself to be more and more fast on the track. Mm. And to be fast, you need to control. And when you need to control, you need to do it step by step. So um, that uh, is the, the key when you need to learn something, uh, especially in racing cars. And by the way, Formula Fords at the time were the cars where people learned how to drive fast on tracks. And even the Formula One drivers, not maybe the one from today, but the Formula One drivers from the late 70s, 80s, yeah. they on Formula Fords and the promotional uh, cars like uh, these little ones. <laughs> yeah, you, or you hear a lot of people driving Formula Ford back in the day. Now it's more sort of karting and then Formula yeah. 3 or something like that. But yeah. But um, the Formula Fords at the time, they were very close to the Formula Ones, uh, if I can say so. It's just a Formula One is kind of Formula Four, but with a V8 engine <laughs> with uh, <laughs> 250 horsepower and uh, a bit of more kilograms. And uh, but the safety was the same. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, what, uh, mm. what made you want to start the school? Why, why do you just think, oh, this could be fun? Yeah. So uh, if I will understand your question is uh, what led me to start the school? That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's two things. The first thing is that I wanted to have this kind of experience of the on the historic cars. And when I looked on the internet, there was nothing existing about driving historic formula cars in a great environment. But because mm. there were this kind of school with uh, Formula Fords from the 90s, but you had the, the car, which is not very creatively speaking. It's not a yeah. nice car. And it was only the car and the track. But there was something missing that I discovered when I went to Goodwood. is the, the ambience, the atmosphere, the people you meet, music, everything on this. And uh, I thought about doing this by choosing the right car 
It has to be a nice car because you, you yeah. want people want to drive nice cars. And it has something, uh, I don't know you, but me, when I'm driving a nice car, it's a totally different feeling. I've been driving uh, sports cars, but not necessarily very nice looking. Yeah. But with um, a car which has a spirit, it's totally different. So this uh, came from the fact that I, I cannot do myself something which I wanted to do because the offer was not existing. And second thing is uh, someone who I met during my internship. This uh, this person is very still important to me. And um, he was the owner of the Lotus 69, the one I spoke about, which yeah. introduced me the world between <laughs> Formula Ford. And he told me, um, what are you doing here? So yeah, I'm just a training engineer and I'm trying to make this Formula One works basically, <laughs> which can sound a bit crazy for a, for a trainee. And um, he told me, what's your dream today? And back in uh, 2015, my dream was to make my own team. So I was not speaking about <laughs> school, but a team. My dream is to have a, this, a small team, a modern or historic, but running a team. And he told me, yeah. why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to take a risk, you know. Uh, and he said to me, what risk? Do you have a wife? Not yet. Do you have a house to pay for? No. So you have no risk. So here's my card. And uh, once you're ready, you can call me back. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> That's it. And I went to Canada um, during my fourth year because I was still a student. And I discovered the um, entrepreneurial way of life where there was a lot of people uh, launching projects and you've got this whole structure and people there make you confident about trusting in your own ideas, which is mm. not may maybe the case in France. It's a totally different state of mind. So it was very, uh, very, very nice to meet those people there. And with this structure, which was called Entrepreneurial Laval, it was in the Quebec city. And then uh, I called back this guy and I said to him, I think I'm ready to start working on a crazy project. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's the beginning. <laughs> and then? <laughs> <laughs> then? Then you have to, to build some ideas to put them on papers. And uh, basically the vision, because I think you, you need to have a vision uh, when you're thinking and you want to gather people joining your project. And when you're a student and you have no network in the motorsport world, you have to um, begin by writing down the things you have in, in your mind. And basically, it was this. It was making people traveling in time by driving historic racing cars on a great historic racing track, which has to be coherent with the years the cars run on the track. Nice. With the thing which was not on other offers that I could uh, see at the moment, was the atmosphere, the ambience. So I started working on a website, just a landing page. It does not exist anymore today. I should have kept archives from this because it was very, very, very funny. So people can drive the Brabham's, the Lotus, the Alexis, and other Merlins, which I just discovered by making this project because I was not aware of such brands at the time. And just putting something not true, but the spirit on the landing page. History cars, the track, and then good ambience. So, of course, I took pictures from Goodwood. I took pictures from the Masters, historic racing. And by yeah. doing this, I started to introduce myself to the historic motorsport world. So it was uh, getting um, at the same time. And then we needed to um, look for, when I say we, it's because um, he, the guy in question has to be... Um, 
helping me from more than two years uh, in a distance. So it was not working yeah. just by giving confidence, you know, when you have presence mm. uh, but with someone experienced in business and say to you, you have to do this or this is a good idea. So you're more confident on doing this. And one thing I noticed in AGS Formula One is the car were all different. And when you have Formula One cars, it's complicated. When every of each Formula One cars are different, it's even more complicated. <laughs> and when the track is not adapted to the car, then it's a completely mess. So I started looking for a manufacturer, which can be okay for getting in the adventure. So I contacted Lotus Classic with uh, Clive Chapman. I hope he remembers. And my first email was, Hey, uh, I want to do a historic racing school and, uh, maybe I'd like to gather some historic racing cars to make this school. Mm, not a good answer. Uh, maybe I think the, the guy just told me crazy. So this guy, <laughs> yeah, I was 20 and uh, I was 20 <laughs> and no, no success for this first contact. Then I started looking up for Google typing. His race single seaters, and I just picked up the best cars, the best looking cars. So I didn't care about the technology or the, the engines or anything, and just took the right car, mm. which matches my expectations of the, what represents a little racing cars from the 60s. And then one of those cars was the Crossley 16F, picture of Jerry Byrell winning the championship, the European championship in 1970. And I, I clicked on the image, and then I, I went to the Crossley website which was a very basic website. And I sent the same email I sent to, uh, to Lotus, which was, uh, hey, uh, I got, I've got an idea. The idea is to make a school with uh, history cars. What do you think? And um, I had an, an answer in the next day saying nice. that it could be an interesting project, but the first thing I have to do is to come and visit the factory. The thing okay. is that I was in Quebec for six months, so I just answered, okay, that's fine. I can come in six months, but for the moment, I can't. <laughs> And um, I was really surprised of the, um, the simplicity of the answer and people not, judge, not judging at all, just maybe considering this opportunity as a, a great one and a new project, not only for us, but for the manufacturer. And then uh, uh, I started myself uh, getting informed by Crossley and I, uh, I learned that Crossley was a very active and successful manufacturer in the late 60s. And... Um, then the six months, during the six months, I just continued to work on my project. And then before getting to the factory, I called back Crossley and said to them something, uh, which was, I just had in mind, hey, do you have an original uh, car uh, available to race? Mm. I said, yes, there are two for the Formula Ford, which is the 16F. There is one in Silverstone and there is one near the factory. Okay, so I'm, I'm interested in this too and uh, see you at the factory. And we went to the factory with my teammate at the time and it was, it was something completely crazy. Uh, it's the kind of factory... Do, 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 you, do you know the Crossley factory by yourself or no? No, no, no. It's something to visit one day if you want to go and make a big road trip in Northern Ireland. The factory is the same as it was uh, at the beginning. It has not changed. <laughs> nice. It's a factory uh, just next to a family house in the county of Hollywood near Belfast. And it's typically the factory from the from what you see in, in historic books. So cars everywhere, racing cars, uh, wood. You have, you have cats in the middle of the car. <laughs> and only six to seven people working on this. Everything made by hand with all the, um, the shining and the yeah. stunning. 
And we visited the factory and I said to myself, oh, okay, I, we have to make this with those guys because they, we also share the state of mind because they just stayed in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Crossley were only making uh, reproductions of a sports car they made uh, called the Crossley 9S. And they didn't make new uh, single-seaters. And uh, my first question with them was to say, can you make the real copy of the original car from the 70s? They said no, because they don't want to um, make trouble with the um, archives and the chassis numbers. They don't want the original car to be in the same category or confused with the new one we, we, we could be working on. So I just proposed something simple, which was we can make the same car, but with a different name. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> which solved most of the problems. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the car uh, we, 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 we made for the school is the same one as the 16F with a different engine. So we needed to... Uh, I relied on my experience from the Formula One team, which is to make reliable cars cars simple and with something which could match the noise limitations on the track right because the problem everyone everyone meets today is the noise limitations on racing track yeah so we started from a 16f chassis modifying a bit the chassis to make a, a bit strong people able to get in the car because the drivers of the time were very 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 small and uh, thin and today, the customers we have, uh, most of them, if we didn't change this, they couldn't not ever enter in the car. So did you change. did you have to make the actual car bigger, like wider and longer to account for bigger people? No, I didn't want to change this because if you change this, you change the, the car. Uh, it was yeah. all about details. So um, as you sit on the fuel tank... <laughs> <laughs> By reducing the fuel tank capacity, you just give a bit a little more space to the legs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same for the the, the chassis bar, uh, which is just above the steering wheel. Uh, it was a very thick one. By making it a bit thinner, you gain maybe 10, 15 uh, centimeters in the car, which is a lot for little tiny cars like this. So we managed to do this without changing the chassis of the car. And that was the first victory. Second victory was to uh, make an engine uh, and find an engine, which was still in link with the Formula Ford and with the same spirit. So instead of the Ford Kent, 1.6 liter, uh, we put a 2 liter Ford Z-Tech, uh, which is used uh, in Formula Ford uh, at the time. So the spirit was still there. And we converted the engine from injection to carburetors. So it was a big, little bigger than the the, the, the 1.6 liter, yeah, but it matched, so it, it worked. And then we did a special exhaust to be able to match 90 dBs on track, full throttle. Then that gave the Crossley 90F. <laughs> nice, nice. So you're you're keeping the the spirit dynamic of the car without the drawbacks, and it, it joins what you were saying at the beginning. The important is to control things. So we were controlling what we are doing with the car by keeping the originality of the car, and uh, it will be very easy to drive on the uh, the original one, but quicker too. <laughs> <laughs> how, how much quicker? Like, what's a? Oh, I don't know. I don't really have a reference. Where? 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 Where are you based? We are based in Clermont-Ferrand on the Chard track. Yeah, I forgot to say this too. <laughs> we are based in a very, very nice track, natural track which held Formula 1 from 69 to 72. It was the French Grand Prix. 
So oh, cool. the company is based on the track. Uh, we have premises on the track on the pit lane. And uh, speaking about the atmosphere, the ambience, which was missing in our structures, we decided after making the cars to build like a lounge on the pit lane. So everything is hidden, but once you open the doors, because everything is built on a, a garage on the pit lane, you have this uh, very British and uh, racing atmosphere, gathering uh, Chesterfields, uh, wood, and a lot of things that came from the real motorsport world. If uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say in English, but got some small old fuel pumps, all the um, some something that we call today the automobilia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, we have 100 square meters on the track with this and linked with the, um, the lounge where we can welcome people. There is a changing room area, there is a bar, there is a, a, a saloon and uh, like a living room. And uh, beside this, you have uh, the um, workshop where we store the car. So uh, it's, um, it's a unique place in the world. And I invite uh, anyone uh, to just to see this because it's like a mini Goodwood uh, <laughs> uh, on the big, big uh, racing track in France. <laughs> oh, cool! It was it was it difficult finding a track that would let you be based uh, there? I think we've been a bit lucky with this because uh, when you're choosing a track, you have different prices, you have different availabilities, and you, we, we wanted to make something linked with history. So in France, you have the Paul Ricard circuit, the Castellet uh, in the south of France. And uh, you also have um, Dijon, which is great. Yeah. This Charad track. The thing is that Charad was the most historic because uh, nothing changed. The, the old track, the old eight kilometers long track is still accessible by the road. It's the same as Pas Francorchamps. So you have the permanent track today, which is four kilometers long, but you can still have access to the old one, which is the public road. So I, I like this link with uh, the history. And uh, secondly, Charade was cheaper than the other tracks. And they were in this kind of trouble, uh, not having um, so many activity on the track. So they were open to new activities because they have very strong noise limitations. Mm. So uh, by coming to them saying we have the cars, they, they can be okay with the noise and we can make something very coherent with the history of the track. We were very welcome. <laughs> so it was not very difficult to, 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 to have the track and uh, I still thank them for um, the, the possibilities they gave us uh, at our beginning. Yeah, presumably the operation has grown quite a bit since you started. Did you start out with like one car or did you go straight in and go, we've got... 15 or whatever. Interesting question. In the initial business plan, we uh, wanted to have seven cars. Today we have 11, but I, we did not start with one car because obviously with one car, you cannot reliable uh, and uh, it's not uh, something possible at the beginning. So we started financing the car with um, a different system. So we did not work with banks. We did through the press, the French press uh, say, Hey, there will be seven cars available and we need seven owners for them. <laughs> so we managed to finance the car with private owners saying, hey, we're doing the school. We need people financing the cars. We are going to rent you the cars. And when you want to drive, if the car is not uh, rented, you can drive it at a very, very interesting price. <laughs> nice. And um, the, the challenge was this. We needed to finance the car before running the car on track and we needed to finance seven cars. We were still students and I was in my last year internship in January, so nothing in uh, link with, uh, with cars at Cartier, 
Cartier's company. Mm. Then uh, the first prototype of the car, so in 2016, was out of the factory. So the factory told us, okay, because they asked us nothing for the seven cars. They asked us, okay, fine, the RD is great. We're going to make the seven cars. Then it's up to you to know how to manage, how to finance them. So no, no deposit, just shaking hands at the beginning. Oh, it nice. was fabulous. So you were at the factory. Okay, we want to do this. Okay, fine. Shaking hands. We're going to do this. So I'm, I'm sure, Julian, you're going to succeed in financing the cars. But they were <laughs> taking a lot of risks by doing this. So we had a little bit of pressure. That's amazing. So we needed to find those people. And it, it has been the case step by step. And the first one is a bit funny. As my boss at AGS was quite happy with my work, and he told me at the time, if you need my help, Julian, don't hesitate. So I did not hesitate. <laughs> and I called back him, say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm having an idea of running a history racing school, and I, didn't, uh, I do need 40,000 euros to finance the first car. And he said, yes. <laughs> nice. nice. So I, I, I had my first car. The second one was crazy too. I had a call at the very beginning of the project saying, yeah, I've heard by, I, I found your website and I think very interesting. Can you say more about the cars and anything? And at the time I said, I have nothing. I have just a website. I, I don't have the cars. I don't have the track, but okay. And he told me, call me back when you have something uh, which is about to start. So it was when it was in Quebec, 2015. Yeah. So uh, since the first prototype came out in 2016, I called back this guy too. Okay, are you still in for the project? And he said, yes, too. But he had no idea of the plans of the car. He has no idea of what the car should be like. I was just saying it's like this Crossley 16F in 1969, but with a different engine, but the car is handmade, well-made. It will be a pretty nice car, and I think you won't regret it. <laughs> Basically. Because the car has no, has, no, has no market too. It's not a car which is eligible to research races. So it was yeah. a car made for this school with a concept kind of, yeah, we didn't know what to expect, uh, to be honest, at the beginning. So every cars were financed like this. Uh, if you want me to continue just on our example of how I found an owner yes. car, uh, because it, it will be a bit long if I say everyone, but we unveiled the first car. So when we unveiled the first car at the Historic Motorsport Festival uh, in London. It's HMI, I think, Historic Motorsport International. It takes place at Excel. Uh, okay, yeah. So East London. And um, we unveiled the first car, so we financed three cars at this time, so we still needed to finance four more cars. And Martin Donnelly, ex-Lotus Formula 1 driver, yeah. what guy uh, who was in charge of, or maybe who accepted, it's much uh, adapted, to um, be with us to unveil the car. And uh, Martin Donnelly was a Formula One driver in Lotus who began, who began uh, racing in Crossley cars. So it was a good link with us. Yeah. And um, we did a, a small Facebook video to build the car, showing to people what we, we've done. And someone called me, uh, I, want, I want one. So uh, he seems to be a kind of young guy in France. And he told me, once you're back in Paris, just give me a call and uh, we can work on this. Uh, we did have a meeting on a small cafe and uh, told me, okay, I'm fine. Uh, I want this car. I saw what you did. You seem guys to be to want to do things pr- kind of well, but I have another problem. Okay, uh, so um, then at this moment, he just sorted out red keys, put it as an insurance certificate on the table, and said to me, "I lost my driving license uh, weeks ago." 
I've got a Ferrari 348 TS <laughs> and I need someone who I can trust in to run my car. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did not, I, have, have, uh, I haven't any experience in, in driving such cars except the Formula One I just put on, yeah, the, yeah. on the first corner. And um, then I had my first drive in a Ferrari in Paris. That's amazing. And at the same time, selling the fourth car. <laughs> so it, it has to this represent this kind of state of mind and uh, with the people who joined the project. So people with, with a bit of money, of course, but with patience and patience up to giving the, the keys of the Ferrari to someone you don't know, but has he, he's, he's got a nice project. You, you trust in that guy and you say, <laughs> okay, I go for the single seater and you can drive my Ferrari to make it run until I, I find my driving lessons again. <laughs> that is amazing. What an amazing story. Yeah. Have you met, so presumably the people that come to the school are quite interesting sort of people. Like a, do you get a full mix or do you have like a typical type of person that comes? That's uh, what I'm, we are all proud of uh, in the team. It's, it's very, very, very uh, different. It's not something uh, which is uh, reserved to uh, people uh, who have experience. And since the beginning of the school, uh, so it's, it's, we are celebrating our three years because we've been operating the school uh, the first time in 2017. So two years after starting on the project. Uh, we've been welcoming racing drivers. We've been ra- welcoming uh, people who had no experience even not in karting because it was a gift for them. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, women. We've got people just enthusiasts who have experience in GT but not in single-seaters. Mm. And the thing which is very nice, uh, which contributes to this atmosphere, is that people can meet other people that they couldn't maybe be able to meet in a different circumstance. And uh, at the same day, we had the ambassador of a country. We had Stefan Rattel, who is, who is the yeah. boss of the GT racing with his son. And uh, we also had a, a guy in experience, but uh, which dream was to race in Formula Ford. And today uh, he bought a car and he's racing with our team because he did a day with the school and two days, three days, and then jumps to competition. So this is typically what we like. And uh it leads to wonderful situations. Uh, for example, when you have Stef- Stefan Rattel and the people don't know him. And sp- Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Starting speaking with him, uh, <laughs> do you know a little bit in racing? And Stefan saying, yeah, a little bit. I can help you with this if you can. And the guy uh, <laughs> just starting to think about, oh, I think I know this man at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> and saying, you know, you're 
not even your promoter of GT racing. Yes, I am. So I can help you if you want to start something in GT. <laughs> That's cool. So, That's cool. Um, yeah, and we are a very small team, uh, seven people, very young person. We're from 23 to 28 years old. The people coming from uh, to the school are very different, but this thing which covers them is the thing which led led me to do the school. Is the the dream. This uh, yeah. your kind of dream by driving these cars in this environment. Yeah, that sounds cool. Is it is it difficult finding people to work on the cars or not so no, bad? Not so bad. Uh, the cars remain simple. I think uh, same thing. The, the difficult thing is to find people, young people, who have this state of mind of projecting themselves in a historic motorsport uh, way of life. Mm. Because uh, historic motorsport... Um, you see a lot of experienced people, uh, older people than us, and uh, yeah. finding people who want to come back to the basis because people are more and more interested in modern technologies, modern cars, powerful cars. And um, for this, we did something very simple, which was just to send uh, an announcement. Yeah, we're looking for young people, not very experienced because it's also the game to gain inexperience while driving while working on the cars. And uh, Formula Ford is also a school for the drivers, but also for the mechanics. So it's, okay, a, yeah. it's a whole concept. So people can learn from this and maybe they can stay one year, two year uh, working in the school and then jumping to another environment. So it's not only for the customers to learn, but also the team. And it was not, not difficult to, to find it, uh, just to find a proper uh, state of mind of people working on the car. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it sounds pretty cool. Do you guys do you guys do any competitive stuff? Do you do any racing or anything like that? Yeah. yeah. So coming back in 2016, we bought the Crossley 16F original car because to make a factory able to make you seven cars without asking for some money, you need something else. <laughs> That's where I'm coming back to the first steps of the company. Yeah. As for the first email, uh, well, I was looking for the historic car we did see this Crossley 16F near a factory. And uh, we saw the car with my teammate at the moment. We said, okay, we take it. We take it. It was on a, on a very big uh, building with vintage planes and uh, a lot of machines because the owner was uh, running a business in Braids. And um, they, he told me, uh, this car is the car I raced at the time. So he was the, the driver. And uh, okay. so he directly with him. Uh, 80 years old guy, which is called Tommy Reed, a very interesting guy if you want to to, to see what he did at the time. Yeah. Uh, he was a factory crossplay driver, and uh, we take we took this car, also without knowing how we can pay for the car. So we said okay, <laughs> and the day after we called the bank to say hi, we did want to make a student loan, so we <laughs> a student loan, and we bought the car with the student loan. <laughs> nice, nice. So we had this car, which is eligible to historic races. And as one of our dreams was also to take part in races, we took part at the first race, uh, historic Formula Ford race at the Castellet in France in March 2017. And it, it was very funny because we only have the car. We only have my friend's father driving the car on the trailer and nothing else. No mechanics, no tools, nothing. <laughs> we didn't even know how to start the car. So we, we, we went to this meeting, uh, getting in trouble with all the issues we can have and getting help from the paddock. And that's where we, we, we noticed that 
the spirit in the paddocks in the historic Formula Ford was very friendly, very helpful. And uh, we did manage to fix some issues like the fuel tank uh, with a leak, which is a bit of trouble. <laughs> Little details like this. I took the car for qualifications and I did seventh out of 40. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. It was not bad. But then technical control came to me and said, your car is 20 kilos lighter. Than <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's too light. So um, anyway, it was the first experience. And uh, since this day, uh, we are doing two to three historic races every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I don't have the time to do this. Uh, in 2020 so i prefer to rent the car to someone who wants to do this because the good thing is also to share and to transmit this possibility to experience historic racing so we still have the car i still have ex- people are renting the car to race and uh, if one day uh, i have the occasion to buy another car to race myself too i'll do it yeah that sounds cool like those historic racing events are very different I find to sort of a modern GT weekend. Like you can go in all of the pits, you can go basically wherever you like. Everyone's really friendly. Most people are friendly at most places, but like there's no security guards. It's just a bunch of cars and a bunch of mechanics. And they're just like, they're just wicked events. I I go to a lot of the Peter auto events Yeah, and you just see mad cars, just crazy cars shooting flames and people having fun. Yeah, mad cars and crazy people too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because you, you still have to remain a bit crazy to drive both cars because they remain uh, dangerous cars. And yeah, uh, for the for Formula Ford, I think it's still a great product because it's cheap. Uh, I, I don't, I, I won't say it's cheap because it's still a bit of money when you want to race, but compared yeah. to other categories, you can have a car from 25,000 euros if you have to have yeah great history from the Ford and uh, for the full season uh, when you're not renting the cars you have your cars but with the cars in a team in something like uh, 20 uh, 20,000 euros uh, for the older older just yeah. with the hotels with everything so it remains cheap and accessible mm. that is very very cheap racing relative to I know it doesn't sound cheap to some people yeah. but like racing is just unbelievably expensive like a yeah, I can't, I can't even imagine. I'm, I'm trying to think what a GT, like a GT3 racing weekend, easily like a hundred grand. <laughs> easily, <laughs> yeah, easily. And um, we did. Uh, we have a bit of link with uh, modern motorsport because we also have a coach and racing drivers coming to our days to make people learn how to drive the cars. Okay. And um, uh, coming back to the beginning of a project because it's still interesting, as we. Uh, I didn't have any link with motorsport. I was in an engineering school and at this school, someone was named Beltoise. And I knew Jean-Pierre Beltoise was a very famous Formula One driver in mm. France. Uh, and I contacted this guy uh, who was his nephew. So linked uh, nice. the guy and he was racing in Porsche Carrera Cup. He brought me in the first meetings and I was at the same time impressed by the lover and um, the money invest in this and disappointed by the public. There was no public at all. It's it mm. like a, a track day with a race, but no one watching at this. And then I, I, I met him in a very funny way. I was very, very bad in from informatics and him too. And um, I, I met this guy uh, during um, uh, an exam. So I, I had something like four out of 20. He had <laughs> like five out of 20. And I said to, to, to him, oh, maybe we can work together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And I saw the name on the paper and uh, that's where I discovered uh, someone was maybe going to help me nice. to, uh, to have access in the world of races. <laughs> that's quite a funny way of meeting people. It's crazy how these things happen. Like you just bump into someone, yeah. get chatting and you're like, Oh, that's what you do. <laughs> but the good thing is still the case every day. And I think it's the same for you. Uh, mm. you, you just meet people, uh, you people brings you to another guy, to another situation, and you you can explore it very, very far and deep, deeply. So that's how we build the project. And today we have something like 25 investors, 11 cars instead of seven, and always new uh, new opportunities to explore. Uh, that is to say, racing. We're also developing historic track days in France. We're making our own clothing brand. So nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, in fact, we 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 saw that it's not only running a school; it's being able to build a brand and to gather people around his community. And uh, the school is the center of this. But yeah. um, uh, around this school, you can you can put a lot of things come on with this, and you can do at the same time business and friends, and it, it's very, very, very important. And that's what make us motivated to, to do this because at the beginning it was not so easy to run such a business. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a, just like a really cool place to come and see and see what's going on. And I'm sure at some point in time, I will try and come and come and see you guys. You're very welcome. And the roads there are crazy. <laughs> well, that, that's ideal. Ideal. Mm. Like I, I remember when I went to Paul Ricard for the first time, which was last year. Yeah. And even just like, around there that's that's mad like there's just loads of these places that just have unbelievable roads and you go to you know to be at the track or whatever but the drive to the track is often significantly better than driving around the track <laughs> yeah it's the same same thing for spa same thing for the castellet the roads leading to this track uh, are usually great and to go to charade you take the old track to access to the new one so uh, it's, it's not that new it's from nine uh 89 yeah we did a new track in 1989. But yeah, you'll be very welcome to visit our place. And uh, even if it's not during a driving day, it's, it's better, of course, but it's still something which is open on demand. And we are very happy to share this with people, with kids, yeah. families. And uh, it's also something not to forget uh, is to keep this accessible, uh, not, not only for customers, but for people who are passionate about this. Because sometimes which is the case in the world, generally speaking, when you're not paying for something, you don't have access to it. So yeah. uh, we try to make it different. How many how many days do you do a year? It depends, but a, a good year is uh, 30 to 35 days. Mm. And uh, so 70% of this are private days, uh, which, which means uh, companies special events from private people and the rest of the days. So what is to say 10 days uh, are open to the public. So uh, half days, full days yeah. and coaching days. So we have three offers today. Yeah. If, if I came along, what's the format? How does it work? So typically for um, a full day, uh, you arrive at 8 a.m. in the morning, shaking hands with the team, meeting the other people, having breakfast on site uh, with music. Usually we use the Rolling Stones on the Beatles. We love it. <laughs> Then you go to the changing room. You have your own uh, suit. It's not tailor-made, but it's adapted to your height 
how tall yeah. you are, your weight too. So you send a, a, a little form, you, you fill in a little form by before coming to the day so we can exactly put you the right car that to your weight and the same thing for the, for the clothes. So uh, 8 a.m. you change yourself, you've got enough clothes, the helmet, everything it, in the style of the 60s because it's the replica of Steve mm. golf uh, racing suit that we use. And then you have a small briefing of 15, 20 minutes because we want to keep it very quick and not too long because you're, you're not here to spend time on the sofa. You're here to drive on the cars. Yeah. And then after the briefing, uh, you do some two uh, classic recognition laps on the saloon cars. And then you jump on the single seater, get acquainted with the dashboards, the pedals, because uh, it's very important for us to know that the people are comfortable in the cars. So we, we're already taking time to make sure that the drivers are comfortable in the cars. And if they're not, we're making change. So we're flexible on this. And in the morning, you're doing three sessions of five laps. So the track is four kilometers long. So it's uh, kind of 60 kilometers. And uh, we've got group A, group B. So maximum 12 people a day, not to be too much people. Mm. And uh, so six cars running at the same time. So we have plenty of space on the track. We space cars between each other just to make people feel driving alone, which is kind of the pleasure too when you have the track for you. It's mm. just insane. And between each session, you have the briefings. So every customer, they, um, we have uh, coaches and um, people who are here to teach you. They have a sheet of paper with everything noted on the, how you can drive, braking points, apex, and your driving style in generally speaking. So you have debriefing between each sessions. The free sessions in the morning are more here to make you uh, use of a car, to know the track. And in the afternoon, uh, you are more free to express yourself beyond the wheel. So try to uh, adapt yourself to the driving techniques or level to, to every, from everyone. Mm. So basically, uh, between uh, at midday, sorry, we have a big lunch, uh, which take part in the lounge or in the pit lane because you're, you're, we like to do uh, original things. So people are eating on the track. Yeah. <laughs> we try to um, do something also different because usually on the tracks, you cannot eat very well. It's not well good quality yeah, yeah. So working with local people a nice caterer to bring nice food and uh, for the afternoon you begin to start the three last sessions and at the end of the day it's uh, a good day uh, like an evening party people chatting each other we get a champagne ceremony we give mm. every driver a little package and everything is included in the day so uh, the suits uh, you we just rent the suit we are not um, giving yeah. suits uh, people cannot keep this but everything with the photographs the videos onboard videos the coaching uh, the access to the lounge the, the meals everything is included so it's a, it's the same package for everyone uh, we are not yeah. working with options and things like that just uh, it's just about the insurance. People can subscribe to an insurance or not, depending on what we want to do. But that's the only thing that people can uh, select uh, in addition to uh, the experience. Yeah. yeah, I think it's quite good doing it like that. I, I find it really annoying when you go somewhere and you, you pay X amount or whatever, and then they're like, oh, would you like this no. amazing photo? And then it's it's like priced at an amount that's just kind of annoying rather than like what seems reasonable. Yeah. Um, and I'd way rather pay up front and have everything yeah. just done. Yeah, we, we uh, try to have the, the best offer we can we can have. Uh, that is to say the best compromise in a lot of laps behind the wheel. So you're doing 120 kilometers a day. 
and it's not an energetic car. It's in a car which needs a bit more uh, the driving, uh, driving, and uh, it's a bit physical uh, to drive mm. the car. And uh, we also worked on the fact that people who are not driving are also considered as premium guests. So uh, the driver's wives or dri- driver's husbands, kids or friends watching the, the their mm. friend uh, running the cars. We have um, salon cars who can bring the people from the pit lane to every corner of the track. So we oh, can cool. show to people what are the mistakes not to do because we also do this for the accompanying people, but also for the drivers who are not running. So when you have group yeah. B running on the track, we take group B on the salon cars, taking the security lanes on the track and coaching from uh, from outside because you also learn a lot by watching what other guys are doing. Yeah. So it's a very complete coaching. It's not only on the car, it's not only on the pit lane, it's a complete thing. And it's also the case for the people who are not driving. So it's a complete experience. Yeah, so, that's quite yeah. that's quite fun going around the track. I think that's one of the things as a as a photographer, I always get track access. So yeah. I can go in all the lanes and go in all these places. And you go, you know, you can stand places that just normal people aren't allowed to stand. And you can just you just get a real like eye into what's going on. And just that, the actual action rather than just being like behind a fence 50 miles away. Yeah. That's something yeah. I wanted to, uh, to highlight too. Is to, to, it's not about driving the cars, it's to experience the historic motorsport world, which is also to explore the track. Yeah. yeah. No, it sounds, it sounds like a, a cool place and a, a really cool, cool setup you've got, you've got down there. Yeah. And the, the, the team is very, is very, um, close to the people and uh, the place is nice the place that we build. I think it's a, it's a good thing. It's a funny thing too. And um, we also try to have a sense of humor every day with customers. It's not something, it's something serious by the organization, but it's very, very, how to say friendly. And the way it's the exchange, we have the people, the discussions with the subjects we can speak about. And uh, sometimes the day finishes at 21 because people stay at the bar. We can have <laughs> dance. It's uh, yeah, it's it's very nice uh, ambience and atmosphere. Mm. That's funny. In like lap times, if you have a really heavy person versus like a small lady, for example, yeah, what's the dif- What's the difference in a really good driver but like 50 kilos heavier? Do you know? I think it's to compare um, with the we have to we have you have to compare the same uh, level of driving yeah yeah if you have someone in experience very very thin uh, and not very heavy and someone very experienced but uh, a bit more uh, strong if i can say so yeah it's comparable but uh, i know that the difference of 10 kilos in that car it's it's a yeah. lot uh, when i did my seventh place caliph qualifying i have uh, a cars 20 kilograms under yeah. the regulations it makes a very makes a very big difference, but it's also something which, which is very interesting is the setup of the car, the weight is part of the setup, and uh, with those cars, someone who's not very experienced can learn very easily. But on the weight, I think it's it's only something that you can see with the with the, the lap time. But while driving the car, I I, I don't think you you can feel any difference. Yeah. I, maybe I'm wrong. But uh, about the sensation of driving the car, I, I don't know if people can say if uh, if I come two years later yeah. <laughs> and 20, 20 kilos less, I don't think the sensation will be different, but the um, time will be different. So yeah. 
two different things to separate. And we are not trying to set up times in the first time. We're trying to make people feel what it's like to drive this single city. Yeah. It's about the sensation, the feeling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having fun. Cool. Yeah. Well, I normally wrap these up with five questions. Yeah. Are you ready? Cool. Okay. Five car garage, unlimited value. <laughs> I think I'll have an Aston Martin because I right. like his brand, uh, Aston Martin TBS. Uh, nice. I have an Alfa Romeo, which is their 33 Stradale. I love this car. Not very, mm. not very famous in racing because it didn't win anything. But I'll also have a single seater, of course. Uh, yeah. Lotus 25, Jim Clark's car. And limited value, said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly speaking, I'm not the guy who's going to target the most expensive car, but I, I think the 918 Spider is a truly inspiring car. It's a, it's a cool bit of kit. Yeah, so it's four. For the, the, the have la- you got a daily driver in this? No, I, I didn't speak about the daily drive. But if I have to have a daily drive, I think it, it, I think it will be Aston Martin if I have a daily drive. Yeah. <laughs> to, to, to finish I, uh, I always had um, a, a big respect for Horacio Pagani yeah. not, it would not be a Huara I don't know how to pronounce the name it's Huara Huara yeah. yeah it would be a Zonda <laughs> yeah for sure yeah. which one uh, the F yeah. the F an F mm. yeah, yeah. That's it's, uh, it's an engineer favorite. car it's not I don't think it's a, a car to show off I think it's a concentrate of technologies and to crazy thing too <laughs> yeah 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 that mad v12 mm, yeah v12 is insane in this car if i have to choose between uh, one of the five cars i think it will be the zonda truly <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's at the top right if you can only drive one car for the rest of your life what would it be one car for the rest of my life <laughs> and, you, and you're allowed like a 500 pound whatever 600 euro car on the side that I, put family I, in or whatever. I, I'm in love with, it has to be a rock car, but I'm in love with Aston Martin. Mm. Uh, it, it's been a brand who has been making me dream from the beginning. I think it's a very classy car and uh, yeah. extravagant, very discreet. I love the spirit and uh, after all, it remains James Bond's car. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> But not the, the Aston Martin for the last generation. Uh, for me, Aston Martin just lost a little bit of his identity in the last yeah. year. Uh, I don't know if you agree with it, but... Uh, I think so. Uh, yes, the, the last V12 DBS is something insane for me. <laughs> like, yes, yes. I really like them. I think they're a really cool car. you have the occasion to drive this already? Or DBS? I, I've not driven a DBS. I've not driven either of the DBSs, actually. I would love to. One of the cars I keep coming back to, of like I would like to drive and possibly own is a V12 Vantage. Yeah. So it's like similar, similar to the, that DBS, that, but mm. I just keep looking at them and be like, oh yeah, they're really cool. <laughs> and they sound amazing. And just the whole image and everything. It's just Seriously very cool. Speaking, uh, I, I'm not the kind of guy asking this question to me. And I, I, maybe I have to. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> I have to focus on the history cars at the time. Yeah, yeah. You'll think, of, think about it later. Yeah. <laughs> I think also, do you get to drive on the track much? Or not really? Mm. Yeah, um, we've got a Lotus Elise here with my father. Very nice track yeah. car. And uh, every time I have the occasion to drive this on track, I do this because for me, it's the the kind of car which is not very expensive in the same spirit of single-seaters. 
yeah. very accessible car, very quick if you can uh, drive it well. And uh, there is a whole this community around Lotus. So um, yes, uh, I run on track kind of often, and uh, but I'd like to be able to race again in the championship when I have time. Yeah, yeah because this yeah. is different from a track. This is totally different from a track day racing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very different. And I find I find a lot of people that get a lot of track time, they're just they're less interested in road cars. Like, and I know the more I spend time on track, road cars become something that's cool and I like looking at them and whatever, but you can't like no modern cars, you can't push them not on the track. So, and you can't take, I wouldn't take a very expensive car on track because you can't push it because if you crash it, it's very expensive. Yeah, that's it. And uh, what you say is very true. Uh, It's totally, it's, it's not comparable racing cars to road cars and people tend to forget that racing cars are not made to be expensive cars at the beginning. It's just like <laughs> fast cars. It has to be fast. And uh, yeah. uh, I think we lost a bit of it today, but with the security and the technology. But uh, yeah, we have to have race cars and create GT cars for the, for the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd love to have a go in like a in some of the really, really fast modern stuff, like an LMP1 or LMP2 or something yeah. like that. This should be crazy. <laughs> just to see what that madness is like or an, or an F1 car. Yeah, <laughs> but the car you have, uh, the Ferrari, I think it's one of the last car which can be considered as a racing car and a road car too, because I think it's a, uh, it's it's just a year when things uh, went to change, and um, mm. this is a car which runs in the BPR series and uh, Le Mans too, and it's also driven in. Uh, I think between the forty and the LM, the, there is a difference, but you still can consider. But yeah. the car is kind of a mixture of the two worlds. Yeah. So I think if uh, you did the, the good choice, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so. I enjoy it. <laughs> right. What do you think is the most under, what's undervalued at the moment in the car market? Um, or uh, race car the, market? The, 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 not, not especially the race cars. But, uh, you know, the, um, it could be either. It could be ever. I think that the, the cars from the 80s, the race cars from the 80s, are the next historic cars, like the DTM cars from the 80s, things mm. like that. Because the cars have gone so uh, high in prices in historic cars, then uh, I, I don't think that modern cars uh, can be underrated at the moment. I think it's uh, both cars from the late 80s. Yeah. Uh, especially, I'm coming back to the DTM because... This is a very interesting championship for me. And I think something uh, in the next years can be great to make again. So, um, yeah, tr- I think race cars from late late uh, 80s. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go up anyway. Very, very cool bunch of cars. Because, yeah, you look at the older stuff and it's all gone sort of mad. Yeah. And then yeah. as you get towards now, stuff is not, it's just not the same price. Yeah, but, but then you also don't want the expensive running costs of running like a, yeah, a modern yeah. 2010 GT car. It's just yeah. But the, the equation is simple, which uh, remains accessible today. Is the only thing which can be interesting in the future. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe it's not. Right. But uh, this is my this is the way of my way of saying things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Last question: What is the most interesting car to you at the moment? What are you googling? What are you looking up? What are you thinking about? Oh, at the moment. So yeah, 
Do I have a project? If I can uh, say the question differently, that's it. Yeah. Or just something that you're like thinking, like, what are you looking at? And it's just stands out to you as like particularly interesting. Mm. Now I'm, I'm fond of Lotus and um, I think uh, a project which can be so nice Mm. is to uh, make the perfect road car becoming a race car because you know the world to do to do this. And I think the Lotus is a good base to do this. So taking road Lotus and make every modification, making a track beat beast. Oh, right. But yeah. that's, that's interesting me because just taking a car, bringing it to a track is nice, but by your own improving the car, looking for performance and looking for a bit of engineering. I think that's the, the spirit that, people and drivers at the time had too. Because if you see Bruce McLaren, not only was a driver, but he was a team manager and mechanic at the same time, engineer. Mm. So um, I, I, I encourage people who can have projects like this to do them because you can learn a lot. And I think it's part of a pleasure too to uh, go from this to this point. Mm. So basically making a race car from a road car base. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that sounds cool to me. And, the modern Lotuses, like the like the Exige, yeah. is a great base for something like that. Like it's just it's just a great car. That like the Exige and the Evora, I think they're sort of lacking a bit in modern like modernness, like you know, twenty first century how they are. But to drive, I, they're amazing. They're really good. It's true. Uh, it's twenty first century car, but that remains the spirit of uh, light cars. So simple. Yeah. And uh, you can, uh, yeah, it's a very good basis to do this. And that remains accessible to have some budget to do some modification to a car. Yeah. And it's not so exclusive cars too. So you're not stressed about modifying it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no one, well, I don't know, but I don't think many people would have a go at you for modifying a Lotus. There's going to be Lotus listeners who are like, shut up. But, you know, it's the whole ethos of that car. It's about driving. Yeah. And I think if your car is about driving, then people don't get so caught up in it. Of course, yeah. People have to drive cars. And uh, to finish, I have a, a Cooper. Uh, I have an Austin Cooper from... Uh, mm. it, it's from... I think it's from 60, 67, 67, 64 Cooper. I've got the Mark 1 Cooper. Mm. And, uh, everyone is laughing at me when they see me driving this car. But I think it's a it's a very cute car and uh that brings people smile and I think it's very interesting in cars today. Uh by um we in French we say it's a capital sympathy. It's um it's an expression in French I don't know how to say it in English. Mm. It brings sympathy to people and um Yeah. Yeah. Good car. And this is something I think underrated at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're cool. They're cool. And it's amazing seeing these older cars that are small and you get in them and they're not that small inside. Yeah. Like, whereas you get in a modern car and they're big and they're not that big inside either. Yeah. And it remains a racing car. It's uh, it wants to make <laughs> color rally. So I, I always like this boss car who has a bit of them in racing at the time. Hmm. And so bring something totally different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, I will be really happy to have you on board one day if you want to, to try or just to come and say hi to the shop. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We'll sort it out at some point in time. I have no idea when, but 
Totally. Yeah. So just know that you'll be very welcome. And uh, thank you for inviting me for this podcast. It's something really new to me. I'm not used to this kind of interviews. And I think mm. interesting. Maybe those kind of confinement and the days are yeah. a good thing to experience this. It's, um, yeah, I, I like what you're doing too. So thank you for this initiative. And yeah. I, I wish you good success in, in the future for the photograph too and for the meeting good people. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Thanks. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.